0: This podcast has been made possible by Planful and U.S. Bank. Hi, real quick before the show begins, as you have perhaps heard, CFO Thought Leader has a new quarterly magazine where we feature the insights and career journeys of the finance leaders we've been talking to. Now, at CFO Thought Leader, we want to reward our loyal listeners by providing you with a generous discount. List price. For CFO Thought Leader magazine is $119 annually. With the following promo code, however, you can enjoy a 33% discount. That's right, 33% off brings the total to down to about $80 per subscription. The promo code is CFO TL as in Thought Leader. It's just one acronym, CFO TL. You can subscribe to the magazine at cfothoughtleader.com. Hello, this is Jim Sherman, CFO of Avianos, and this is the CFO Thought Leader Podcast. This is episode 495.
1: This is the year that we're we're basically going into mass production, and we're executing on our business plan and. When you're talking about the milestones that's the big milestone i came here the first thing i thought is okay where am i going to be able to add value how am i going to take this company to the next level that it needs to from a finance perspective and be you know be the right hand person to the ceo
0: Hi, it's Jack Sweeney. On today's show, we speak to Bal Bueller, CFO of Electra Mechanica, a Canadian manufacturer of electric cars. Thanks to an entrepreneurial itch, Bal Bueller will never be a conventional CFO. In fact, her CFO resume may be one of the only ones ever to include three wheel electric cars alongside vitamin supplements. However, when it comes to finance milestones, such as the 12 million in new financing on which Electra Mechanica closed last March, Bueller is clearly marching in step with her professional peers. Our interview begins after this. In an ever-changing world, it can be tough to keep up with the latest FPA trends and innovations that keep you ahead of the game. Luckily, there's a podcast for that. Tune in to Being Planful, the podcast for finance leaders and planning experts, and stay in the know about what's happening in planning and forecasting. Guests like influencer Chris Ortega At planful.com. Hello, we're speaking to Bal Bueller, CFO of Electra Mechanica, a designer and manufacturer of electric vehicles. Bal, welcome.
1: Thank you, Jack. Thank you for having me.
0: So, when it comes to electric vehicles, uh, obviously Tesla is the name that comes to mind. Uh, But Canadian car maker Electra Mechanica is betting on capturing a portion of the market. It already manufactures a roadster and uh, a sports car, Uh, but it's just begun rolling out a three wheeled, one seater electric vehicle called the Solo. Now, if you're commuting in your car, uh, Electra Mechanica uh, has you in mind, commuters. <laughs> uh, but uh, uh, make an appointment later in your day to uh, go uh, see the videos on YouTube of the Solo. I think you'll find it uh, entertaining, fun, and and perhaps there's an application here for you. Uh Bal, as always, we want to uh, talk to you about uh, manufacturing these cars. But first, uh, as always, we want you to look back for us and tell us a little bit about yourself and those experiences you feel prepared you for a CFO role. What comes to mind?
1: Education, motivation, and lots of energy. There are three things that that, have been a part of my resume uh, one was, uh, my experience at the Port of Vancouver and what it allowed me to do was think outside of the box. I was involved in various roles at a very fast pace. Uh, secondly is my company, pub- my public company experience in particular with, uh, with, with two public companies that are now in, um, lithium tech as well as in uh, biotech. And when I started out with them, they were in a different segment in the resource industry and in the energy industry. And it was um, one particular CEO uh, that was uh, a real driver. And it was being able to push each other, um, bounce off of each other in terms of, of what we need to do and building the team out um, was huge, huge in terms of uh, growth, as well as you know, being able to do so many more things in the public uh, arena versus what you would do in a larger organization. And then, thirdly, is my entrepreneurial side. Uh, I've owned a spa before, and I also have an online e-commerce company that um, that I that I got that I put myself into, and just wanted to you know have something going on on the side just a a little hobby if i have time or not um but i have always liked the entrepreneurial side and um and that's something that is is huge in in how i come up with some of the strategies in uh in and pillars and goals as well as how my mind works in in the finance side so you know i'm not your typical cfo for sure <laughs> i um i have i have a lot in terms of the complement of uh of experience both from finance from risk management and from the um the the accounting
0: side what did one of these companies earlier uh were they publicly held or did you take them public yeah. or um
1: so, um, you know, some of the uh, companies that I've worked with, they, they've been publicly held, and I've also t- um, taken them through an IPO on the Canadian side as well. So they were, they're U.S. companies that I've IPO'd into Canada.
0: I see. And, and, and uh, were you always uh, – uh, Vancouver is that home for you today, or have you been based there geographically for some time? Home, Vancouver
1: is home. I am born in England, but came here at a very early age. <laughs> okay. So all my schooling has been done on the West Coast in Vancouver, yes. Yeah.
0: One of the interesting things, and this is not too uncommon for entrepreneurial CFOs, uh, is the, uh, the fact that you went from uh, perhaps wellness to where uh, today uh, electric cars what do these have in common and how did you find your way from one uh, industry to the other?
1: So wellness is, uh, it, I mean, if you're talking, talking about my e-commerce business, the thing with that was product development, manufacturing, um, the scope, the scalability, uh, the all that part is its extremely important with electromechanica because whether you're, you're building widgets or manufacturing different products. Manufacturing has a core fundamental in how it's done. There's, you know, a supply chain. There's, um, you know, certain other aspects that you have to put into place. The product development, you know, how is that going to be branded? The whole marketing aspect. So there's many, many things where so many different layers of, of what I've been involved in. I've been involved in tech for a long time as well. And so, Electromechanica has a huge technical compo- uh, technology component, which is the IP. And so, I've been able to use the balancing of my career in the various different industries of, of basically knowing what the fundamentals are, and you basically massage them to what the company needs are and the industry that it's in.
0: It's, it's a fairly young company. Uh, I'm trying to get a sense of your team today. Obviously, it's quite small still, but can you tell us about the finance team that you've been putting together?
1: Yeah, so I have a a phenomenal uh, finance team. I've got a VP of finance, and I have um, a controller that's not completely full-time right now, and we're just right now looking for another full-time controller. That way you know her the current controller's time is going to be uh more focused on some other aspects of the business where she doesn't need to be here full time and so and that's by her choice uh and so the other aspect that we're looking at is is we've got an accounts payable person that we just recently hired and i think the team is going to grow pretty quickly for me, it's about making sure that we've got the right people. You've got to have both feet in, and you've got to be passionate about what you're doing, and you got to love the company and, and love who you're working with. So having those components are really important because you do spend a lot of time here. I mean, we work long, crazy hours, and uh, and it's just not about the numbers. It's everything else that's going on. It's part of the strategic direction of the company what are the next things that we're trying to do, and, and so forth. So for me, I want to have, and I do have that team right now, but I want to add to that team because we're growing very, very quickly. Uh, so in order to add on to that team, we take it one person at a time in terms of, okay, we've we've made, reached a real max here. We really, really need help. We've got to bring another person in. But we've been very selective in who we bring into this company because, if If it's just about the paycheck and one foot in and one foot out and looking for the next opportunity, this isn't your this isn't the company for you you know it's it's a company that's got a lot of heart
0: so give us something of the history uh, behind the company and and what milestones have been achieved to date
1: so Electra Mechanica was founded in 2015, and in and I'm just going to go through some stats about the company in itself. And then in um, 2017, it listed to the OTC, and then in August of 2018, it uplisted to Nasdaq under the symbol Solo S O L O. And during that time, in 2017, Electra Mechanica acquired its legacy flagship company intermechanica now that is originally from italy and this year it marks the 60th anniversary it was uh, started up by the reisner family and henry reisner who is the son is uh, president and chief operating officer of electromechanica and he so he took this business over from his dad and what they did was they uh, made Custom hand-built replica sports cars, and one car in particular that you might uh, recognize is the car that Kelly McGillis drove in Top Gun. So it's, it's usually if I mention that, people will say, "Ah, oh, now I know." Uh, so that's that's one of the <laughs> one of the events that I would say is like you, you zero in on that, you would you would know um, which company I'm talking about. And so the in terms of milestones, I mean, we just did a raise of 12 million dollars with Ross and Benchmark and Think. That's a that's another milestone in terms of our our financing that we just completed this year. But in terms of what we're doing, we're about the execution of our business plan. This is the year that we're we're basically going into mass production. And we're executing on our business plan. And when you're talking about the milestones, that's the big milestone. So it, right now, we are. Sorry, go ahead.
0: What is it? I, I'm curious about this vehicle that you're, you're you'll be introducing. Has it it's already been introduced? Is that right?
1: It has been introduced. So you know, we're disrupting the electric vehicle space. That's that's what this company is really doing. It's this and our flagship company is the three wheeled solo. And what it is, is it's a commuter vehicle. You know, it serves three purposes. It's either going to take you to and from work or run errands, or it's going to be on a rideshare of some sort. So, like, um, I think it's Evo. I'm not sure. It's, everyone's got a different type of rideshare where you basically get into the vehicle, you go where you want to go, and then you just drop it off, and, you know, next person's going to be taking that. And then the other, the third uh Aspect that it addresses is deliveries or, um, like for example, DHL for courier or, um, you know, pizza deliveries, Domino, something like that. So it has three distinct different, um, areas that it deals with and addresses. And the reason we went with a single passenger one is 83% of the people generally drive by themselves.
0: I have to believe it's a something of a sizable challenge to project demand for a, a three wheel vehicle. Can Can you tell us something about how you went about doing that?
1: Sure. I mean, we've done some extensive market studies. Uh, one in particular was with IHS Markets, and they've given us a roadmap of where in the U.S. you know to focus on. So. As of today, California is has fifty percent of all electric vehicle sales. That's the hub, and and then you know you you go along through some of the other states that that purchase electric vehicles. The other aspect that we've already encountered and through communications with various dif- different prospects is Europe is another huge market for us and so it, we've also got interest from southeast asia there is various various interests that we're receiving on a on a constant basis as people are learning about our company and learning about the solo and being um environmentally friendly in terms of it being all electric and you're not using gas and the costs involved with a gasoline vehicle versus you know having an electric vehicle so there is a fair amount in terms of where we see the distribution of our vehicles going. We've done research behind that. We also have pre-orders as well. We've got, in, we've got over 23,000 pre-orders for the Solo.
0: you described it as a disruptive company. When you say disruptive, what do you mean?
1: We're disruptive in the terms of, A, there's nothing like that out there that we know about, uh, and all electric. It's um, it's a cool looking car. It's not an, your average four wheel drive car that you would see. It's um, and you'll have to come out and see it at some point in time, whether it's in Vancouver or LA. But uh, it's it, and it's economical. It's under twenty thousand dollars Canadian and under six sixteen thousand dollars on U.S. dollars. We've made it so that it's not going to be difficult to get. And it's something that we've we've looked at thinking okay, well, if 83% of the people are the only ones driving and majority of the time it's to and from work and then obviously there's the other factors that I've already talked about the other markets that we address, then you know, you don't need a large vehicle to take you to work all the time. And so you you basically reduce the space of what you need for a parking space as well. I mean, you can fit two and a half of the Solos in one parking spot, literally.
0: Just so, the video I saw, if the car pulled up behind you, if the Solo pulled up behind you, you might look out your back window and it it looks like a a car, a normal car. Now, if you pulled up behind the Solo, you'd wonder, what is this exactly? Because, of course, it has the (laughs) one wheel in the back and it, it looks very narrow quite from the back. Uh, But otherwise, from the rearview mirror, it looks like a normal car behind you, maybe smaller, but uh, interesting.
1: Yeah, Yeah. no, it does. It does. It's It's a cool looking car. Like I said, you've got to see it in person and test drive it.
0: I have to believe mm-hmm. that um, you're working very closely with your uh, COO and operations because here mm-hmm. it's a supply chain challenge. Obviously, if demand kicks off, and who knows uh, where where you source so many so much of the materials and and that you'll need to to continue to manufacture, is the innovation in the design or also in the manufacturing? So it's in
1: the design, and so we don't have an issue on scalability which is usually the big concern. Uh, we've contracted out with a manufacturer in China called Zongshen. Huh. They are the largest motorcycle manufacturer in the world. So they've got they've got scalability. We we've got a contract with them and right now we've got approximately 50 cars that are have been produced by Zongshen and currently we're essentially testing them, calibrating them, making sure that everything is proper and, and it meets our tests that we've uh, done. So right now they're at that process of of getting the fixes out to China to make sure that the cars that are being built are are not having to go through this fixing process because... We have a deadline by the end of June, essentially, or around about that time frame. We're going to be um, at the point of making sure that the cars are 100% the way we want them. And that when they get on the container, you do your regular inspection when it comes here, and the keys go to the customer. Um, no more tinkering around or anything. So what's going to happen is there's a process that once that gets all locked in, then the manufacturer is then going to basically put that plant into automation. And that automation is going to start at the beginning of August. And then it's basically, you know, fitting them out based on the number of cars that we want on a uh, daily basis.
0: When we come back, we'll ask CFO Bal Bueller for a finance strategic moment, and we'll enter the mentoring round after this. The business landscape is changing quickly. As the pressure to manage expenses efficiently and strategically increases, you need solutions that not only help drive down costs and improve efficiencies, but meet the changing needs of your business. To learn more, visit us at usbpayment.com. We want to ask you for a finance strategic moment and uh, enjoy asking this question, particularly of entrepreneurs like yourself. You have an interesting story. You obviously studied as an accountant. You have your degrees, so you're a bit of an accounting expert. You are also a spa owner who understood the financing equation of a business, but also understood business opportunities. So with these other opportunities that entrepreneurial in nature that you pursued, you had your lines of sight into the numbers, into the accounting, and could see something that perhaps a an accounting chief accounting officer or a finance professional in a larger enterprise may not have detected. And again, I'm speaking to your your entrepreneurial drive, I guess. Um, does anything come to mind when I ask for a finance strategic moment?
1: Sure. I'm always about the positive in terms of how we can make anything better, how we can move the company further and have a, have a game plan. And so I will talk about my this, this recent one, that, which is at Electromechanica. And um, it was for me. It's about thinking outside of the box. When I came here, the first thing I thought is, okay, where am I going to be able to add value? How am I going to um, take this company to the next level that it needs to, from a finance perspective, and be, you know, be the right hand person to the CEO? And obviously, the dynamic of CFO and CEO, a CFO's dynamic has changed so much in this world today where a CFO needs to flip and and look into what the mind is talking about, which is marketing the company, finance, and so forth. So the CFO's job now becomes twofold. A, it's got all its responsibilities as the the chief financial officer, and B, it's got to be able to basically be the extended arm to the CEO and saying, okay, I need you to step in and help me out here. You need to do this, 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 and this. And you need to understand that. And and not everyone feels comfortable with that. And that's something that you need to, um, in an emerging growth company, in a company that works so closely together, is vital to the success of the company. And so I always think outside of the box. And in this last financing that uh, we just did, which was closing of $12 million on March the 27th, which was done uh, with Roth, Capitals, Benchmark, and Think Equity. It was It's a strategic move in terms of where we want to go and what type of a financing we are doing and the type of shareholders that we're bringing in now. And so the company is evolving. And for me, it's about, okay, I want to know who my shareholder base is going to be. I want to know who our business partners are going to be and who else we're going to bring into this whole big family. And so from that perspective, it's just not about the money coming into the company. It's also the foresight of what is going to be the next stage of this company, whether it's a month from now, three months from now, whatever that case may be. We have a long strategic plan, but we also need to have, okay, what other baby steps do we need to do to take it to the next tier? And so that is a moment where you're involving strategy of, of the company's future and the goals that we need to achieve in the short term and in the long term. But you're also looking at it from a financial perspective, okay, well, you know, how much capital should we be deploying into the company and what, where is that capital going to be used? And that's important because for me, I have to make sure that there's capital being deployed for the specific aspects of what we're trying to grow and what we've promised to our shareholders. And we want to create that value with our shareholders and make them happy and and not only our shareholders but also our partners and what we're doing for for the environment
0: thank you bal we're going to now move to our mentoring round where i get to ask you several quick questions intended to uh inspire and offer advice to future finance leaders we want to know what it is today that gets you excited about finance and business. And obviously in an entrepreneurial enterprise, there's always new milestones are being reached uh, every day. And I think you've already shared a few, but what's exciting you today about finance and business?
1: Oh, I think we've broken into a completely different dynamic in in finance. I mean, in order to now um, be... In the finance leadership role, you've got to have a real passion, and you got—you can't just be behind the desk. You've got to be out there. You have to be able to think strategically and and build those those partnerships. the The relationships are very very important. I mean, that we're in a day where we're in a we're in a uh, you know area right now where everybody is all about being on the. Being behind the computer, you don't really need to go and talk to people, just not, not even pick up the phone. You could just do everything remotely. And so what happens in that technological age is you lose that human touch. You, le- you lose the, the I'm going to call it the old school way of doing business where you meet people, you see them eye to eye. That's very important. And I think it, it sometimes gets lost in transit. And so some of the things that that uh, people need to understand, people that are emerging into the finance world is it's just not about doing the numbers. It's so much more than that. You have to have the human contact and you have to be able to know to communicate and build those business relationships where you are face to face. You're not afraid to see someone in the eye look them in the eye. You're not a- afraid to, you know, shake their hand or something like that. So that is extremely important to really be visible and to make your marks and to go outside of your comfort zone and think outside of the box. Be creative.
0: The first time you uh, stepped into a CFO role, when you took on the reins of being a CFO, what is that piece of advice you wish someone had given you?
1: It's a big title, but you don't understand sometimes um, the risks and uh, that go along with it. When you're signing off on something, you're signing a document that is, and I'm talking in the public markets here, um, yeah, you're signing that document in such a way that if anything's wrong on that, you've just contested <laughs> that it's right. So you know, it was one of those things where you don't really understand so much until you start reading all the literature that you're signing off on. So for me, it was more, it would be more about uh, the legalities of what you can say and what you shouldn't say and where you are, you should keep your mouth shut and not say anything. Or um, can you actually say stuff that is okay? So sometimes it's those parameters, like when you're, when you, as a CFO for a publicly traded company, might not know some of this stuff. But I guess because I worked with the port before, which is, which is very much about, I always look at it this way, if you don't want what you wrote in email on the front page of the newspaper, then you probably shouldn't write it. And the same goes with what you say to everyone as well.
0: Is there a personal habit or a daily routine that you have as an individual that you believe has in some ways contributed to your professional success?
1: I, I try to work out every morning, so I do run. Um, that's always usually uh, part of my regular routine. And the, ones, the other thing that I usually do is just kind of see what's going on in the world. Um, but I would say uh, exercise is hugely important and a part of my routine where I have to do a workout almost every day or do something. And for me, that's, that's the kickstart of my day. And then that's when I'm kind of going through some of the stuff in my mind is, okay, I got to get this done. Did I get that done? So um, that's an important part.
0: Okay. So we're up to our final question where I ask you to look into the future. And tell us your priorities as a finance leader over the next 12 months.
1: Well, I'll be looking at um, obviously different methods of financing and building up my finance team. It's all about sharing. It's all about knowledge being shared amongst everyone and being a real team player. And that's what I do with my own group. I tell them everything that's going on. I include them. And and that's a key to having a successful finance team is that everybody is a part of the team and not feeling that they're being left out.
0: Val Bueller, thank you for joining us on CFO Thought Leader.
1: Thank you, Jack.